A few weeks ago, uh, James Barron came to me and said, hey, I got, I, I got some stuff I'd, about Christmas. I said, great, I don't have anything. So, uh, so I invited James to speak uh, this morning. Uh, and Now let me talk to you about James just a moment. Uh, James Barron, uh, James is an attorney. Uh, don't please just intercede for him <laughs> because of that, but <clears throat> he's one of those really good ones. And uh, j- just quickly, for those of you that might not know uh, James, most of you do, but uh, in case you don't, um, I met James, gosh, I don't know, uh, more than 20 years ago. I've been here 17, 20, uh, probably 20, close to 25 years ago. And uh, we had some interaction. We started interacting about the subject of grace. That's what we called it. I mean, it's a much bigger subject than just that word. We started interacting about that. And over the course of time, began um, more of those sorts of interactions about truth. And I can tell you this, um, honestly believe there's not more than a handful. How big that is, I don't know. I, I don't know everybody in the world, but I would say compared to the population of planet Earth, there's not more than a handful of human beings on Earth that understand and are able to teach the, the fundamental truths of the finished work of Jesus uh, more than James Barron. He's one of a handful. That's the honest truth. I, I firmly and absolutely do believe that. And I have learned so much from him and uh, so deeply grateful uh, that he's a part of our body. I believe God put us together here. I sincerely believe that. And, uh, and it's without hesitation and with a great deal of respect and gratitude that I not only allow but invite his input into all of your lives because he's got a website. Go to his website. Listen to his stuff. We have a link to it on our website. Please just to feel free to 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 listen to the teaching that James has in his heart. So give a give a great grace welcome to my friend James Barron. Thanks, Barron. You're awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks, Clark. So awesome. I'd do better if I pray first. I know we've already prayed. I want to pray again, if you don't mind. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you so much. We just thank you so much. Lord, you are here. We just thank you that you're inside of us and you're in our midst. Thank you for this great time of the season. Help us see things, Lord, more clearly today that maybe we haven't seen before and Thank you for for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, speak through us and help us hear things that are not of this world. Thank you, Lord. So eager to show us the things that are freely given to us in Christ. He who spared not his only son, will he not with him freely give us all things? so generous, so awesome. You lavished your grace upon us that in the ages to come you might show your loving kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So awesome. Help us now, Lord, hear and see, and I pray that every single person here, all of us would be so encouraged today that a light from another place would shine brightly within us 
great hope would come. Anyone who was in despair would find joy. Anyone that needs comforting would be comforted. Thank you, Father, for the awesome reality of your nearness. We in Jesus and Jesus in us and the Son and the Father and the Father and the Son. Awesome reality. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Just pondering, you know, about Christmas, uh, it's such an awesome thought to think God, God <laughs> has come to us, came to us in a man, that the Son of God, you know, just to think of that. I'm gonna pull a Clark, Clark does this when, <laughs> I like that because it helps. <laughs> that helps. Because you can't, you know, you without words, you gotta, when you think about this, God, God, who made all things, came to us. I was thinking about how the shepherds, you know, were in, on those, in those fields, and, uh, you know, even though God had planned this since before creation, I mean, everything that was made, John says, was made by the Christ, by the Son, for him and through him, and not anything came into being that was not made by him and for him and through him. I mean, all things came through the Word. The Word was in the beginning with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and I mean, the mystery is so, it's mind-blowing. Only the Spirit can open our eyes to these things. Who can know these things but the Spirit of God? Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? So just thinking about that, that awesome reality of, of him coming and how, how everything was made before he even came and everything that was made speaks of him and speaks of why he would come. And, and, and uh, I, think, I think about the... Uh, uh, the shepherds, how they were on the feet in the fields, and uh, imagine this. First of all, think about this, saints. This actually happened. I think sometimes we'll read, you know, these Christmas stories, and we think, "Oh, that's so nice." You know, it's, "Oh, isn't that nice?" We sing about, but this actually happened. So, first, think about that for a second. This actually happened. It's cool. I mean, when you think, when you put your mind in gear, and you think, "Wow, this actually happened." They're, they're in the fields, watching their sheep, night sky, and suddenly, suddenly, an angel appears in front of them, startling them, and there's this glow that's coming around the angel that, light, that lightens the, the grass around them, and, and, and it's bright enough to where they can't even see the stars. It's like day around this angel, Another, this is another realm. This is the heavenly realm that has opened up to these shepherds. And shepherds in those days were considered the lowest of the low. They were kind of like, I don't know, you would say, not that garbage collectors are bad people or low people, but that's how the public looked at shepherds as 
for God to reveal himself to shepherds was amazing. I mean, he didn't go to a king, he didn't go to a, a, a Roman senator, but he went to shepherds. And so here's this realm, this awesome, pristine realm opening up to the shepherds where, they're, where everything is perfect and awesome. And they're scared to death and they, they're, they're trembling. And the first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. I've come to bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all people, all people. Here's an angel coming from another realm, the heavenly realm into the earthly realm, opening up the realm so the shepherds can see and bringing a message that this awesome, some, something awesome, awesomely good is coming. Now, then what happens also again, the scripture says in Luke, suddenly, suddenly behind the one angel, the realm opens wider and they see rows and rows of angels as far as they can see. This light is even brighter because it's more of the realm and it's like they're looking through a door into another world. This actually happened. Isn't that awesome just to ponder that? They are on the hills in Israel, in Beth, not far from Bethlehem, and they, this opens up before them. They're trembling. And the angels, as far as they can see, like an amphitheater of angels, begin to sing a song with one voice, and one voice crystal clear and strong, glory to God in the highest, and, and you know, peace on earth. Goodwill toward man with whom he is pleased. Amen. I mean, they're, these shepherds, they're just shepherds. I mean, this is unbelievable. This is like God who has planned before creation to come. It's suddenly time. This day in the city of David, a savior is born for you, the angel said. For you, for you, a savior is born for you. And I believe that phrase, a savior born for you, just hit those shepherds like a brick. For me, a savior born for me, for me? What, me? I've got so many weaknesses, so many sins, so many problems born for me, for me? And the angels were like, they were, they were ecstatic. They, they opened this portal up. This little shepherd saw the glory of God on the night of his birth. And the angels told that little shepherd, a savior is born tonight for you. Awesome. God, God loves this. I really believe God got kind of tired of perfection. He loves, a, he loves mess. He does. He loves that they didn't have room for him in the end. That's great. A feeding trough, perfect. With the cows and the horses and the goats, beautiful. He hates, not hates, but I really believe he, he is, God is attracted to weakness. He in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Amen. 
He loves the messiness of human life because in it, he manifests his glory. It's awesome. Paul says, we, Paul says I, I get it now. Paul, I, Paul says, I get it now. I, I can boast in my weaknesses now. I can boast in my trials. I can boast in my hard times. I can boast in my need because when I am weak, I am strong because his grace is sufficient. And he loves it. He loves it. You know what? I've got a, I really have a word for us today. I really heard from God. It's so cool. I have a word for us, it's so cool. I mean, this is from God. He said, you think that, this is how it started. You want to be like the Hollywood movies that end up, you know, the glamor of the victory, pushing through the, the, the finish line, with no problems and no big mistakes, and you, you really would like to, ha- to have the victory without all the mess. God says, no, I love the mess. That's my way. You are a champion. You have gone through the dirt and the blood and the guts and the trials of this earth, and you have not forsaken him. You have little strength, but you have not denied his name, and he loves it. He loves it. He doesn't see any spot or wrinkle or any such thing in us. He knows the human world, the human life is full of trials and tribulations and snares and traps and temptations and enemies and the flesh and the enemy and all these things. He knows all of that. And nobody, nobody escapes walking through this world without problems and tribulation and heartache and trouble and mistakes and sin and gross sin and grosser sin and grosser, grosser sin. Nobody. (laughs) And he knows and he understands and he sees you as a champion because you have believed. That's the word. Awesome. Because it's all about him, not us being perfect. It's all about him giving us his own perfection through faith. And you see it in the way he came to earth, the way he came as a babe in a manger, his whole life. You know, he was, he was uh, talked about as an illegitimate child because Mary wasn't married at the time they had the baby. And he was, he was looked upon in a bad way by people around him. And, and they, they didn't, the, the religious group didn't accept him because he didn't follow the way they follow things in the law. And, and you know, he ran around with the, this rabble from Galilee, these uneducated fishermen from Galilee. I mean, he had all these, and then he was rejected and crucified beaten. I mean, all these things, yet through it all, the scripture says he was was crucified in weakness, but he lives by the power of God. It's God's way. It's God's way. So anyway, I was just thinking about this awesome reality of of how he came into our our realm. And and then I thought, you know, I think we miss sometimes the the reason why he came sometimes at Christmas. I think it's, you know, we have this kind of a general idea that it's joyful, you know, God loves us, and, but he came with a, a particular purpose. 
Hebrews says that, Lord, you have prepared a body for me. You have prepared a body for me that I may offer my body. Hebrews chapter 10 says that the blood of bulls and goats could only cover sin, but the blood of bulls and goats could not take it away. The scripture says that God took no pleasure in the blood of bulls and goats. So he set that aside, Hebrews says, that his will might be done. And his will being that the son would offer himself, not just to cover sin, but to take it away. That's why later, this babe in Bethlehem as a young man, that's why later this young man would be pointed to by John the Baptist. And John would say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Saints, this is so awesome. I know we know this, but when you think of Christmas, It was the march, it was a march, the march of God from all creation coming to the moment when he would come. He was eager to fulfill the desire of his heart to take a bride, to remove all barriers between her and him. That he would come and literally take away the sin of the world so that there would be nothing between him and her. That, that phrase in Ephesians where it says that he is a bridegroom that cherishes and nourishes his bride. Ephesians chapter five, he cherishes and nourishes her. It says that he sees no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing in her. For she is cleansed, the scripture says, by the washing of the word. Now we've had that taught to us in Religious circles that the washing of the word means the believer reads the Bible. And as you read the Bible, you wash yourself and get cleansed and get cleaner and cleaner as you study your Bible. That's not what Paul is saying. First of all, there was no Bible for them to read. There was none. There were ancient Hebrew scrolls of the Old Testament that only the few Jews had and the Gentiles didn't, couldn't read Hebrew, and the, there was no New Testament. The Gospels had not been written yet, and this was just a letter from Paul for the, to the Ephesians. There was no Bible passed around so that we could wash ourselves. What is he saying there? He's saying, and most of the Greeks couldn't read, by the way. They couldn't read. The Scripture says she is washed by the washing of the Word, The next phrase is what he's talking about. The next phrase says, in that he gave himself for her. That's the word. That's the message that washes her. She believed. She believed that he gave himself for her. And she was washed without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing because of his great work. His blood washes everything. That's the word that washes. Isn't that awesome? And later in that same chapter, Paul says, 
I know this mystery is great, but as a man leaves his mother and father and joins himself to his wife and the two become one, he goes, even so, that's what's happened with Christ and the church. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, they are one, the bride of Christ and Christ himself. One. That's, all, that's the only way he could join himself to us. Like Clark said, there could be no other way. It has to be this way. And it is this way. And the scripture bears it out. He has removed sin from us. Imagine living the rest of your life on earth. You know, we say, gosh, I wish Christmas, we could just celebrate Christmas all year because it's such an awesome time. We can. we can. We can remember this awesome work of God all year round because it's true all year round. You know, the scripture says a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So his birth is like two days ago in God's thinking. <laughs> it's like a couple of days ago, he was born in, the, in a thousand years like a day with God. The angels are still excited about his birth. They haven't waned one inch in, in the, the excitement of Emmanuel. The angels long to look into what you have, Peter says. They, the angels can't believe it. The angels are like, are you sure? He said, he said that? For these guys? All right. You know, they can't believe it. What grace Paul says, know you not, you shall judge angels. Know you not, you are the sons of God. Know you not that he did not die for the angels, but he died for the sons of Abraham. He died for those who believe. And you are the sons of Abraham and daughters of Abraham simply because you're a believer. It's awesome. Oh, it's awesome. It's so cool. Uh, he came to take away the sin of the world. He took it away. Took it away. Imagine living the rest of your life on earth in union with God, God inside here, you inside God, and your sins of the past, your sins of the present, and your sins you have not yet committed yet in the future are not even considered by God. That is the gospel. That is the power of God. That opens you up to com fellowship, complete fellowship with him 24-7. It's awesome. Religious people hate that word, fear that word, don't teach that word, and they crucify the word because they could not see God's love, God's grace, God's ways. Religion says, if you, take, if you release people from accountability for their sins before God, they'll go crazy. They'll sin like crazy. But the truth is, God said, no, blessed is the man whose sin I will not take into account because of the work of my son, because they who believe on my son will receive something that the unbeliever cannot receive and the religious cannot receive. And that is the resurrected life of my son. For we were crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
My life cannot be explained except Jesus is alive inside of me. I would be in the gutter. I would be in jail. I would be dead probably by now. That my life cannot be explained except Jesus is alive inside of me. It's awesome. It's so awesome. It's God's secret. It's God's way to be joined to him that he simply lives his own life through us. But the key is to rest in another's righteousness. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. God knows what he's doing and religion doesn't. Religion doesn't understand man, God does. And that's why the gospel is so strange to religious ears. And yet, it's good news to the poor in spirit. Not many wise, not many noble, not many educated get it. He has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the strong. He has, con- he has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. God loves the mess. Amen. He loves it. He loves a little David against Goliath. That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> Gideon has a huge army going after the, the uh, enemies of Israel. I forget the name, Ac- Amorites or something. And, and, uh, and God says, no, you got too many men. You're going to think you did it yourself. Uh, Tell... T- t- uh, he said, uh, t- tell them, everybody who bought a house or just got married, they can go home. And a bunch of them just went home. Yeah, we just bought a house. Yeah, we just got married. We're out here. And then they left like 10,000 soldiers. And then God says, no, nah, it's still too many. Um, see, only God thinks like that's too many. Man thinks we don't have enough. We don't have but two loaves and two fishes. God says, that's plenty. So he says something else. He says, oh yeah, he says, have the men come down and, and have them uh, drink water by the brook. And the soldiers you see put their hands down and just lap it up like a dog. Send them home. They won't be, they're not a good soldier. They're not even looking over their shoulder. They, you know, they're going to get killed at the water. <laughs> but the ones you see doing this, looking around for the enemy, keep them. So those, he kept those, Gideon kept those. When he counted those, there were only 300. 300. The valley was full of this army that was after Israel. Full. The tents, as far as you could see. 300. So God said, you know, he, he said, this is my plan. Everybody get a, a pot and get a torch and uh, put the torch in the pot so they can't see you walking up the mountain. Gideon, you get them all around on the top of the mountain over the valley with the torch inside the pot, the clay pot. And Gideon, when you blow your trumpet, I want you to say this. I want you to say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Speaks of unity, of union. The sword of the Lord is the sword of Gideon. One, union. And he says, when, when you do that, I want all the pots to be broken. Have them break the pots. Now imagine this army in the valley and they hear this trumpet. And, you know, and then he goes, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And then imagine the sound of cracking pots around. All around, right? And then torches showing up. 
right above them. It worked. <laughs> they didn't have any weapons. They didn't have enough men. They went nuts in the valley. They thought, oh my God, the, Israel has, has joined another, uh, I forget, uh, um, they got a treaty with Egypt or something. They said something, uh, some other country has joined forces with them. We're going to be slaughtered. And so they started, they left their tents. They started just jumping. They actually killed a few of themselves trying to get out with their swords. And they took off the only escape that they left down the valley. They just took off. And here's, here's Gideon's army, exactly as God said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Wow. And they're sitting there with a the torch. <laughs> and these, these guys are going, can you believe this? <laughs> Who is this Gideon guy? You know, it's so cool. There was no doubt God did that. God won the battle. I just say that the Old Testament's full of stories like that. What is God saying? He's teaching us we don't have to have our life all together. He'd rather you not. He'd rather you depend on him. He'd rather you say, I can't do this, but you can. He goes, yes. When Israel was attacked by the armies, they all took their wives and their little ones and they went to the temple. They were outmanned, maybe 10 to one, they were gonna be slaughtered. And they said, we have no might against this great army. And they, they stood before the temple of God, behind that thick veil, his presence. And they looked to him and they said, with their wives and their little ones, and they said, we have no, no might against this great army but our eyes are upon you, O oh Lord. God loves that. God sent one angel, all it took was one angel, took one angel and wiped them out. They never got on Israel's soil, one angel. He's huge. Your daddy is huge. Your daddy is awesome. Your father is powerful. My daddy is awesome. He spent a long time preparing for the coming of the Christ, but it happened suddenly. And I think I love that because it can happen suddenly for anybody because when you hear the truth, all that is needed is to believe, to believe. You can hear the good news that he has taken away our sin and just believe. As he said to Martha and Mary, he says, he who believes on me shall never die. Do you believe this, Mary? Did I not, not say if you'd only believe, you would see the glory of God? But only God can do. God raises the dead. God calls into being that which does not exist. Only believe. I love that. The simplicity of it. Even in creation itself, you know, I, I can't, 
I love this thing about creation, seeing God in creation. Romans says, the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things which have been made. And we talk about the star over Bethlehem that signaled his birth and where he was born. But saints, think about this. This is awesome. Scientists cannot explain this. They cannot explain it. They say it's an, an amazing coincidence. We know better. It's awesome. There's another star that's been in the sky from the beginning, our own sun. Get this, saints, this is amazing. God has been announcing the coming of the Christ and even the purpose of his coming since the beginning. Do you know how awesome it is that the sun, now we know, we all know how big the sun is. Like, you know, say it's this big, the earth would be like that big, I guess, something like that. Tiny earth, big sun. Do you know that as hot as the sun is, the earth is exactly the right distance from the sun with its heat at exactly the right temperature to produce life on earth and to allow the sun to appear from the surface of the earth like this, a certain size, okay. So that sun is huge and very hot and we are exactly the right distance from the sun so that the sun appears in the sky a certain size. Now, the moon we know is much smaller than the earth. The moon is exactly, exactly the perfect distance from the earth so that it's not causing tidal waves every 30 days. Exactly the the right size and the right distance from the earth so that the moon appears in the sky exactly the same size as the sun. This is, this is God's signature in the heavens. Think about this. On the, from the surface of the earth, from the surface of the earth, I mean, you see these Star Wars movies where they have many moons on planets. You have a little moon going in front of a big sun. You have a big moon going in front of a little sun. I mean, you have, that's how it is all through the universe. All through, they have no, no, science have never found another planet, another moon, another sun, where from the surface of that planet is the moon exactly the same size as the star, the galaxy, or the solar system is rotating around. Nowhere. This is amazing. I mean, this is amazing. Scientists say it's an amazing coincidence that this, yeah, the sun, when it comes together, it's a perfect eclipse. It's a perfect eclipse. The moon and the sun fit perfectly together. Saints, I believe what that's saying is God is saying the sun is a picture of God because the earth revolves around the sun. It's subservient to the sun. The moon revolves around the earth. So it's a picture of man. So the sun's a picture of God and the moon's a picture of man. I believe, saints, what God is saying and has been saying in the skies from the beginning that one day the fullness of the divine will come within a man. It's speaking of him, of the Christ. I mean, to me, if I was an unbeliever, I'd have to think that through. <laughs> if I, I mean, really, if I was, a, you know, all into science and intellect and I was an unbeliever, I'd have to really think that through. I mean, wait a minute. Wow. Because God is saying that he one day would fill up a man, the fullness of the Godhead, Bodily. And I believe the, the, the eclipse itself speaks of the purpose of his coming because it brings darkness. It brings, it's a picture of death. 
that he would come to die. In fact, on the cross, there was a darkness that fell. The true eclipse happened on the cross when the darkness fell over the land, of which the eclipse is just a picture of what was going to come when he came. Isn't that awesome? See, this is so cool. Even the womb, the, the, the womb in a mother is made when a baby is born. The, the mother has, the baby has its own blood, in, own system so that the blood does not mix with the mother. That's why the mother's blood type can be different from the baby. God made it before, he, before the Christ came because Christ had to have not the blood of Fallen man, he had to have pure blood. He had the, he could, his, mix could, his blood could not mix with Mary's blood. So God actually made the womb for the coming of his son. That's awesome. Think about that. God made birth the way we come into this world. He came into the world the same way, but he made it that way so that his blood would not be mixed with the blood of Mary who had iniquity because his father was God. I mean, there's so many things in creation that the unbeliever needs to really take a look at and say, wait a minute, what is this saying? Creation itself speaks of him. The scripture speaks of him. But beyond it all, the spirit, more than anything, wants us to know that he came seeking a bride. He's in love with us. Like we've said before, God's, God's purpose is not primarily to come to earth to clean us up, to make us into his image so that we can be his, his servants. Those are byproducts of knowing him. But his main heart, his main purpose was to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. He wants to be with us. He said, I have prepared a place for you that you may be where I am. That's his heart. And he has removed all sin. Behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world so he could join himself to his bride that they could be together now and forever. That's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's awesome. The half has not been told. The half has not been told of the awesomeness of our God. It's written in the stars. It's written in creation. It's written in the scriptures. All we need is the Holy Spirit to open our minds to see these things. And we will grow mightily in faith. It'll be easier, easier to believe than not believe. So just in closing, I just want to just say, man, next time you think of Christmas, think of it as the Christ coming with, thou hast prepared for me a body, Father, that I might fulfill your will, that I might offer it up and, and thereby cleanse all who believe for the, by the offering of one body for all people, for all time. He has forever sanctified all who believe. He has taken away the sin of the world. God can inhabit men now. We can become the dwelling place of God, living stones in a living temple because of what he did. Awesome. He loves the mess. He loves us depending on him. He loves showing his glory in the midst of problems and troubles and 
It's his way. It's awesome. It's so cool. Lord, we just thank you right now that, that you're just, you're awesome. The angels just can't get over it, that you would do all this for mankind. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, I believe there may be someone here that has never really believed, never really heard the simple but powerful gospel that Christ came to take away the sin of the world. And if there's anybody here, Lord, I pray that they would step forward during our time of prayer and come forward and, and say, I believe. Let it happen suddenly for them today. Suddenly, they'll see. Suddenly, they believe. Lord, thank you for the awesome reality of Christmas. 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 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I did it. It is finished. I am the lamb of God that has taken away the sin of the world. Believe only. I came in a manger, but I come again in the skies in glory. I come, I came the first time to take away sin. I come the second time to take you away. Don't be afraid. When I return to earth, shall I find faith on the earth? Will I find someone who believes I did it? Behold, he does all things well. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's Christmas. It's Christmas.